Hello, this is the Buddhism Guide podcast, and I'm Kami Yeshi Rabge. You can find more of my podcasts, as well as blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices at buddhismguide.org. If you wish, you can support future episodes of this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide. I hope you enjoy this podcast. This episode is called 37 Practices, Part 3. And in this episode, I'll discuss verses 5, 6 and 7. So verse 5 says, The practice of all the Bodhisattvas is to avoid destructive friends, in whose company the three poisons of the mind grow stronger and we engage less and less in study, reflection and meditation, so that love and compassion fade away until they are no more. So here we're talking about uh, destructive friends, and a Bodhisattva would decide that uh, his friends are either positive, good, helpful friends, or they're negative and destructive friends. If we spend a lot of time around destructive friends, we start to take on their qualities, we start to take on their traits. So in life we all have boundaries that we've set ourselves, a set of ethics and uh, morals that we try to rule our life by. And if people, our friends, are outside that, then they're trying all the time to drag us outside our set boundaries. So. In the end, if you have a a whole group of friends that are destructive and there's you, then you can't fight against that. You have to pull yourself away from that. It's like if uh, a tiger was coming towards you. You can't fight that tiger. You can't win that game. You'd be destroyed. So then you have to pull yourself away. So the same with destructive friends. If you have a group of friends that are really destructive, you can't win the battle of beating them. So the best thing to do is pull yourself away. So it's not saying running away from bad people, but it's just a point of guarding your mind, stopping people influencing your mind in a bad way. We're all easily influenced I mean, that's how advertising works. If you keep getting bombarded by a certain advert, it changes your way of thinking. So if you're constantly being bombarded by a set of friends that are using destructive means, then of course it's going to change your mind and you will end up like them and they will be taking you outside your set boundaries. So I'm not saying, you know, a Buddhisattva or us, we should give up on um, negative people because sometimes negative people are just crying as a a cry for help. They just want to uh, get a point across that they're unhappy. So I'm not saying run away from people. But what I'm saying is that if your friends are disturbing your mind, then they're not good friends. We may have had these friends from school, But it doesn't mean that now they fit into our life. 
If you have a look back over your life, how many friends you've had in your life and how many of those friends you have now. Our friendships change all the time. As we grow, as we're, when we're at school, we have a certain set of friends. But when we leave school and go to work, our friends tend to change. And then we get married, our friends change again. So our friends are changing throughout our whole life. We shouldn't feel guilty about walking away from a set of friends that no longer fit in to the pattern of who we want to be. So we shouldn't look upon it that, you know, oh, I can't desert these friends. They've been my friends for years. If you used to drink alcohol and smoke and now you've suddenly decided, I don't want to. No longer will I drink alcohol and smoke. And yet all your friends are drinking and smoking. How long can you stay with that group of friends before you start drinking and smoking again? It will take so much willpower. So the best thing is, you know, to slowly move apart. We don't have to turn around and say to our friends, I don't want anything more to do with you. You're not good people. But slowly you see them less and less and less and you start to slowly drift apart. That's what happens in life. So when we're with destructive friends, they're pulling us away from what we really want to do. And what we want to do is to study is to understand what is this path I'm on and to meditate and to reflect back. We want to change the way we are, but we can't do that if we're surrounded by uh, destructive friends. We can only do that when we pull ourselves away. So by taking yourselves away from destructive friends, you're more likely to study, to meditate, to reflect. You're more likely to become the person you want to be. You know, peer pressure is very high. When you're in a group of people, you tend to follow them and do things you don't want to do. When you start on this path, and remember I've said before that this path, the Bodhisattva path, is any ordinary person that is on a path towards awakening up their mind. So if you're going to go on that path, then you can't take destructive friends with you because they'll be pulling you back the whole time. So a Bodhisattva will understand that. Will understand that these friends are destructive. They're not going to help me on the path. They're going to hinder me on this path. They're going to stop me meditating, reflecting, studying, being mindful. So then I need to find a new way, a new route. It may be that, you know, you lose 20 friends, but you get one good friend. One good friend that's going to help you is a lot better than 20 bad friends who are going to harm you. Remember, it is your mind, and you are the one that has to decide what you let in. And if you're letting in destructive things, then that's how your mind is going to be. So by walking away from destructive people and destructive friends, what you're doing is guarding your mind. So it's making your mind more peaceful so you can meditate. We can't meditate when our mind is, is being destroyed by um, bad morals and bad values. So we set our own morals and values and our own boundaries. And if our friends no longer fit into that, then we should look to 
you know, start slowly pulling ourselves away from them. Only then will your mind be open and free to actually do the practice, to push yourself along the path. So then verse 6 says, The practice of all the bodhisattvas is to cherish spiritual friends by regarding them as even more precious than one's own body since they are the ones who will help to rid us of all our faults and make our virtues grow even greater, just like the waxing moon. So this one is the opposite. We're trying to disassociate ourselves from destructive friends and we're trying to move ourselves towards spiritual friends. So in uh, Buddhism, the spiritual friends are called uh, Sangha. They're a group of friends. So anybody who's like-minded, who's on a similar path to you, who can spiritually help you and guide you, is a spiritual friend. And this spiritual friend, it could be an acquaintance. It could be somebody at work. It could be a husband, a wife. It can be anybody. I mean, we call them spiritual friends, but they don't have to be our friends as such. But there's somebody that is going to help you, support you along the path. These are the people we should be drawn towards because these people will encourage you to study. They'll encourage you to meditate, to reflect, to be mindful. So this is the type of friend that we should be looking towards. These are the type of friends that we should be trying to grow in our life because these people will make us even more virtuous. These people will push us along the path. The destructive friends will be an obstacle on your path. They'll be like a brick wall. We keep banging into this brick wall. With the spiritual friends, they will take you around that wall and take you along the path. So these are the type of people we should be looking for in our lives. You know, not the type of uh, people that are going to waste their time gossiping and... Uh, messing around and just filling their hours just with nonsense. You know, we have very little time. Even if we live to be a 100 years old, it's still not going to be enough for us to really fully awaken our mind. So we don't have the time to sit around wasting time with destructive friends, drinking, smoking, gossiping, wasting time. We have very little time. As I've said before, in, uh, I think it was in part one, that our life is precious and we should look at this life and make sure we make the most of this life. So when you have a spiritual friend, they will help you build this good life. They will help you along the spiritual path. These are the people we should be drawn towards. Kind, compassionate, open, moral, helpful people. These are our spiritual friends. These are the ones that will help us, not the destructive friends. Verse 7 says, The practice of all the bodhisattvas is to take refuge in the three jewels, since they will never fail to provide protection for all who call upon them. For whom are the ordinary gods of this world ever capable of helping, as long as they themselves are trapped within samsara's vicious circle? 
So we're talking about the three jewels here. So in Buddhism, the three jewels, or the three precious ones, are the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Now, lots of people have made these three jewels a very religious thing. They're not a religious thing. They shouldn't be a religious thing. The Buddha is our teacher. He's not our God. He's not somebody we should pray to, or please let me pass this exam, or please keep me healthy, or please let me lose 10 kg. He can't do anything for us. What he did was teach us. As we take refuge in him, we're just looking upon him as a teacher. We are not looking upon him as a God. And there's a big distinction there. If it's a God, if we think he's a God, then we definitely will be giving responsibility for our lives to him. If he's a teacher, he's just going to be the spiritual friend that will help guide us along the path. You have to take responsibility for your life. So he's just there to teach you. So the first of the three jewels is the Buddha as a teacher. The second is the Dharma. And the Dharma are the teachings that Buddha left behind. These are the key things here. And so the teachings, the Dharma, is how we're going to learn to move along this path by reading these teachings. So the teachings are definitely a refuge for us because they're the one thing we can read through that are going to help us on the path. The third part is spiritual friends, the Sangha, which we've just covered. So the Buddha is our teacher, the Dharma are the teachings, and the Sangha are our community of friends that are going to help us along the path. These three are what we call refuge. So none of them are religious. Buddha a teacher, not a god. The teachings are to be read and to be experienced. They're not to blindly be followed. The Sangha is just a group of friends, a group of people now that are helping you along the path. There is nothing religious there because it is just a way of life. It's just a way to stop some of this emotional suffering that you're going through, to help you be the best possible person you can be. So don't think that the three jewels is something religious. And if I follow the three jewels, it makes me a Buddhist. Really, there is no such thing as a Buddhist. People say that I'm born a Buddhist. How can you be? Buddhism means that you follow a set path. It means the very basic things is you follow the Four Noble Truths, that you follow the Five Precepts, that you try to refrain from doing the Ten Unwholesome Acts. These are all things. So how can you born? How can a baby be born with those things? They can't. So Buddhism is not a religion. So by following these three jewels, it is not making you a Buddhist. It's just making you a better person. So your religion and following the Buddhist path are two separate things, and they come together nicely. Another thing I want to mention here is that people get a little bit confused about the three jewels because uh, we talk about these three but then Buddha also spoke that you are your own refuge and there is no other refuge and he says that uh, abide with oneself 
as an island uh, with oneself as a refuge. So Buddha was saying in many different sutras that you are your own refuge. And Atisha said in uh, Lojong that of the two witnesses hold the principal one, which means there are always two witnesses. Another person, as this other person sees you and your actions, and as you see yourself, there are always these two witnesses. And he was saying the principal one is you. You can have ten people who have ten different opinions of you. You can have ten people who have ten different opinions of your actions. What is important is you. How do you see your actions? Because taking yourself as your own refuge and seeing yourself as an island and looking out for yourself as your own refuge means that you're taking responsibility for your life. You're not handing your responsibility of your life over to some god. Oh, it happened because it was karma, or it happened because it was God's will, or it happened because it was destiny. We have to take responsibility. Where are you in that? Where was you? Whatever happened, where was you in? You were there. You're in that. So take responsibility for that. Whatever happened, you were there. There has to be some responsibility that we have to take. So by seeing yourself as your own refuge, you are taking responsibility for your life. You are making sure that, you know, whatever happens, you're not blaming other people. We love to blame. I mean, you know, there's no doubt about that. That we would love to blame the other people. We always like that. It's never me, is it? It's always you. But that's not going to help you. We have to take responsibility. Out of the two witnesses, we are the principal one. And we have to see that. So though we follow these uh, three refuges, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, we can't forget that we are our own refuge. We make choices. Those choices have consequences. Cause and effect. We do something, there will most definitely be an effect from that. We have to put ourselves in that picture. We can't just say, it's God's will, or this is what Buddha wanted. This is ridiculous. You're never going to uh, take yourself along this spiritual path, along this path towards awakening. If you blame other people, if you take yourself out of the whole equation, this path is about you opening up your mind, sorting out the things that don't work for you and reinforcing the things that do work for you, making yourself the, the best possible person you can be. So when you are that best possible person, you can help other people. But if you're not going to look at yourself, if you're not going to take responsibility for yourself, responsibility for your actions then how are you ever going to reach a point where you can help other people? Because you're constantly looking outside yourself for somebody to blame. I'm not saying blame yourself. I'm saying take responsibility. You are the principal witness of your life. The key is there. Your life. Not other people's lives. It's your life. 
You have to decide how you're going to live that life. We can take advice from other people. Of course we can. But just remember that their advice is just coloured by what has ever happened in their past. It could be totally different to your past. We can listen to other witnesses. But you are the principal one. You are the one at the end of the day that makes that decision. Because you are taking responsibility. And if you make a bad decision, then it's okay. We're human. We make mistakes. We learn from that bad decision and just move on. But if somebody else told you to do it and you did it and it didn't work, what are you going to do? You're going to blame them. They told me to do it. Where was you then? Where's your responsibility in this? So we must take uh, refuge in the Buddha as a teacher, the Dharma as the teachings, and the Sangha as our spiritual community, our spiritual friends. But we should also see that we must take refuge in ourselves. We must see ourselves as an island. We must see ourselves as the principal witness. If we can do that, if we can push to one side, move away from destructive friends and build spiritual friends and we follow the, the path of the Dharma, of the, the Buddhist teachings and we take responsibility for our lives, then we are moving very quickly along this path towards awakening. This is the end of this podcast, but don't forget, you can find more of my podcasts at buddhismguide.org. Thank you so much for listening, and until the next time, bye.